Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we are going to begin the study of the book of the prophet Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. The name Habakkuk is usually understood to mean the name embrace from the, from the Hebrew word lechabek, to embrace. Presumably, someone who either embraces God or was embraced by God. Habakkuk uh, follows the book of Nahum. The book of Nahum, just a little bit of history so that we understand the placement of Nahum and the placement of Habakkuk after that, and so that we can understand Habakkuk and his prophecies in their in the proper historical context. Until now, most of the prophets we have been studying, the Assyrian kingdom was the was the the big empire of the day, the most powerful one, and the one that was the biggest enemy of the people of Judea and the northern kingdom of Israel. However, in the year 612 BCE, that's 612 minus zero, so as we go forward in history, it goes from 612 to 611, etc. The Babylonian kingdom conquered the... um, the Assyrian kingdom. Some remnants of the Assyrian kingdom remained uh, for a couple years after that. Um, and, and then several years later in the famous battle of Kharkemish, Kharkemish they were, the, the remnants of the Assyrian kingdom were destroyed. This ascendancy of the Babylonian kingdom over the, um, over the, over the Assyrian kingdom happened during the reign of the King Yoshiyahu, who was known as a righteous king of Judah, and this happened after the uh, northern kingdom had already been destroyed. So, Nahum, when Nahum prophesied, he was prophesying the destruction of the Assyrian kingdom, which then actually came about. His prophecy was realized when the Babylonians destroyed the Assyrian kingdom. So Nahum was during the reign of the king Menashe, who was a vassal to Assyria. This was before the destruction of Assyria. Menashe was succeeded by his son Ammon, who was only a king for a short amount of time. And then after that, Yoshiahu, who was king for 31 years. During the, um, during the reign of Yoshiahu, this saw the end of the Assyrian kingdom around 612, like I mentioned. And then Yoshio himself was killed in the Battle of Megiddo, where um, the Egyptians were marching through the land of, of Israel uh, in order to help in the fight against the remnants of the Assyrian kingdom. So, and that happened in 609, so several years after the Babylonians conquered the, the bulk of the Assyrian kingdom. Uh, the Assyrian Empire. So Habakkuk is now prophesying during the reign of Yoshiyahu because um, he is talking about the time when the Assyrian Empire was gone and it was now the Babylonian Empire that was that was marching around the Middle East conquering territory and so on becoming the new empire. So the big enemy in the time of Habakkuk and the prophet that we're about to read is the people is the is the empire of Babylon? Now, the tradition has it that Habakkuk 
uh, said his prophecies um, during the time of Menashe, which doesn't make sense according to what I just told you. However, if that is the case, and when I say tradition, I mean the rabbinic tradition is such. If that is the case, it is certainly possible that he began his prophetic career during the time of Menashe and continued to be a prophet until and through the time of Yoshiahu when he saw the Babylonian kingdom rise. So if, that is, if, if that's the case, then he must have been a prophet for a significant period of time, probably around 50 or 60 years, which is certainly not impossible um, at all. We've seen similar things with some of the other prophets as well. Now that we established this time period, I, I also want to mention there are other various traditions other religions, uh, the Christians and the Islamic traditions have placed him a lot later during um, um, the time of Daniel, which, which was a time when the Babylonian kingdom was high. So we, we'd be talking about after the destruction of the first temple, uh, during the time when, of exile or, or during the early days of the second temple and so on. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going with the tra rabbinic tradition that I mentioned before. I just want to mention that there's a lot of other ways, uh, uh, there's a lot of other traditions about when he existed and when he said his prophecies. Nonetheless, it is clear that his prophecies are directed against Babylon, and it is assumed for various reasons that he's, his location is standing in Jerusalem. Um, and he is speaking from a, that vantage point, speaking to the people of Jerusalem regarding the, the Babylonians. Now let us begin the book of Habakkuk. Let's start chapter 1. It starts with a familiar term, Hamasa, the burden, Asher Chaza, that was seen by Habakkuk Hanavi, by the prophet Habakkuk. Again, we use the term burden, and in this case, the term burden is very appropriate for what we're about to read, which you'll understand, because there's something that really, really weighed heavily on Habakkuk. One of the things that we're going to see in these three chapters of this short book, that one of the things that Habakkuk is famous for is his, his style of challenging God, of questioning God in ways, in almost a combative way, showing that it is appropriate under the right circumstances for someone to question God's judgment as long as one understands that God's judgment is something that we don't understand and have to accept. Habakkuk begins in verse 2 with his vision, which actually sounds, in this case, more like a burden than a vision. Ad ona, but if we imagine he's, he's, he's addressing God himself, Ad ona Adonai shivati velo tishma. How long, God, am I going to cry out and you not listen? As ak elecha, and I'm going to cry out to you, Hamas. There is Hamas. There is. Uh, I'm going to translate now Hamas as violence, but Hamas means specifically violence where people forcibly oppress others, take possessions from other people forcibly without, without due process, without righteous. Uh, endeavors without without um, mercy, below Toshian you do not save. Now there's two ways to understand what what Hamas is he referring to here. Um, 
one way to understand, and most of the traditional commentaries understand, that he's talking about the Hamas, the violence that's being perpetrated by the Babylonians upon the kingdoms that the Babylonians are conquering, including, of course, the people of Judah. However, I think, and this is another way to understand this, is he's talking about um, and the, the, the things that he sees himself, the Hamas that he sees, as we've seen throughout the prophets until now, they were always referring to the corruption that existed within the people of Judah, within the people of Israel. Their primary goal and aim was to ethically improve and morally improve the people to whom they were preaching. So I think that this can also be seen, and I, I kind of would rather read it this way, it just seems to make more sense, that what he's talking about is the Hamas that he sees in the people around him, the corruption that he sees around him. And I'm trying, he's saying, I'm trying to do things, but it doesn't help, people don't listen. And I cry out to you, God, and you don't listen. You don't make anything better. And at this point, Chavakuk is thinking, how would God make it better? By striking down those perpetrators of this corruption. And he says, Why do you show me sinning and iniquity? Why do you show me all this evil? Why do you show me all of this wrong? And you look at it and you see it. And this, this ravaging, this uh, rampaging, and this um, oppression is sitting right in front of me. See, he seems to be talking about what's happening in the city in front of him. And there is arguments, and people don't get along with each other. And there's constant, constant, madon um, uh, is contention, but it means contention between people. Usually in, 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 in courts, people are constantly arguing and fighting with each other. This doesn't sound to me like a ravaging conqueror. This sounds to me his commentary on the society around him. Umadon Yisa, and you carry it, and you don't do anything. In other words, he's asking God, like all of us so many times do, we look around us and see so much corruption in the society, and we say, God, why do you allow it to happen? Why don't you just strike down the bad guys? Get rid of them, and let the good guys uh, flourish. We're asking God, why don't you intervene in, in, in human affairs? And then the next question in verse 4 is, is the question that we all we always say. It's why is it that people don't believe in you, God? Why don't they keep the Torah? Why don't they keep the, the, the laws that, that you, God, gave us to, so that we could live a moral life? Because, because they look around you and they see that the bad people are prospering and the good people are not. This is why the Torah, this is why your teachings, God, are weak. They're, they're not being kept below Mishpat. And this is why true justice does not prevail. Justice does not prevail because you don't intervene. Again, this is another reference that hints to me that he's talking at this section about the corruption of the society. He's talking about an evil person, he and captures the, the righteous person. He surrounds him with obstacles and blocks. This is why justice comes out twisted. The justice system in our society, he's saying, is corrupt, is messed up. The good are getting persecuted. The bad, the evil are winning. This is why people aren't listening to you, God. Why don't you do something?
Now, this is the ultimate question that we all have and we all have to deal with in our lives all the time. However, unfortunately, when God's justice does come, sometimes it comes in ways that we don't really want. And this is a lesson that Habakkuk is about to learn because God doesn't really answer the question right now as to why he doesn't intervene more in human affairs and make it more fair. Presumably it's because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not answering the question of theodicy, of course, right now, but I am saying that God wants us to fix it. He doesn't want, he is not going to fix it. And if a society is corrupt, he will destroy the society, but not in the way that we want. And this is what Chavakuk is about to learn. And here's what God says, Ru'u vagoyim. You, you guys are, are worried that your society is corrupt and evil, look out among the nations and see and you will be in wonder and amazed. This is not a good kind of wonder and amaze. This is a, a, a terror, a frightful amazement. There is something happening in your days, something that you're not even going to believe. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't even believe it if somebody told it to you. So therefore, look, God says, see, because if I just told you, you wouldn't believe it. Reminds of, of the stories uh, you hear about how during the early days of, of, of Nazi Germany, how people kept on thinking, no, it can't possibly be what, that, what I'm hearing about them is really true. It can't possibly be. So you have to go look for yourself and see the evidence in order to be convinced that it really is as bad as I'm saying. Because what am I doing, God says? Because I am going to establish the called Chaldeans who are Kastim, who are um, allies and part of the Babylonian Empire. This, this bitter and, and, and Nimhar means they're quick to judgment. They don't think about what they're doing. They just rush and do uh, that nation. They are now marching across the breath of the land to go and 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 conquer and take over places and 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 uh, and countries that are not really his so he is coming and yeah you're right you're corrupt but your punishment is going to come through the hands of the babylonians who are coming who they are fearful frightful and terrifying from himself, his own laws. He makes up his own justice. And he makes up his own his own rules, his own way of going about things. Um, if we look at... Um, uh, I would like to compare to Isaiah chapter 10. We see there how... how um, uh, God says, Isaiah there is referring to the Assyrians, the previous oppressors. And God said to them, they were Ashur Shevet Api. They are the, the wrath of my anger, the rod of my anger. In other words, Ashur was given ascendancy because I was angry. I wanted to punish people, all other people, specifically Judah in that case and Israel. Um, but... Um, but they were my shevet api, uh, because they and however, what did they do? They ended up This is verse seven. He didn't think when he did it 
that he was doing it as a by punishment, but rather he went he just wanted to destroy and just destroy nations. So in other words, but had he thought, then he would have understood that he's only, okay, he's allowed to conquer, okay, he can subjugate those people, but to destroy and cut and destroy and, and, do, uh, and, and make suffer and torture and so on, that's not his right. So he went beyond that and therefore Asher became destroyed. Like we saw in the book of Nahum, that because of Assyria's behavior, they ended up getting destroyed. Now Babylon, Habakkuk is saying over here, and God is saying over here, they are Amar Vihanimar, they are quick to judgment, because they are and, and, and they're just rushing, they're not thinking. And because they're not thinking, right, they're doing like the Assyrians did. They're just going out and destroying. Yes, I am sending them. Yes, I am allowing them to do it because I want the people punished, but they on their own are perpetrating destruction way beyond what, what they, they should do. And that's why it says, He's making up his own judgment. He's making up his own laws. I'm allowing them to happen. However, He's still the one that's making those decisions. This is very important to make this comparison and understand that Chavakuk is drawing the same lesson that Ishayahu and Nachum were trying to teach us as well, but applying it in a new historical context. And now God continues to describe the, the Babylonian uh, con uh, conquerors, their horses are, are swifter, are lighter than, 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 than leopards. And they are, they are sharper or, or, or swifter than the than the uh, wolves of the night. Uzevi um, Arab also can mean the wolves of the, of the wilderness. Ufashu parashav. And the... Um, um, the and, and his horses are, and his chariots are so many. Ufashav merachok When they come from far away, Ufu, they fly, Kinesha, like eagles, Chashlechol, that are in a rush to eat. Why is he coming for Hamas to perpetrate violence? They're always looking forward. The same idea. They're not thinking about what they're doing. They're just rushing forward into, into plunder. And they are gathering captives like so many, like the sand of the sea. And he laughs at the kings. The kings that he's conquering, he laughs at the Verosni Mechzchaklo. And the officers and princes of the nations he conquers, they're like a, toys to him. He just, and even the fortified cities, he just laughs at them. He gathers up dirt. Presumably this means he builds a, a siege ramp. And then he rushes right over the wall and captures the city. It's like nothing to him. Um... Then after conquering the city, they pass just like the wind blows by, and they do all of their their ashamed, they do all of their sins, and they do all of their terrible torture to the people they conquer. And he gives credit to his God. This is how God describes what Babylon is doing. Yes, punishment is coming, but again, it is the people, even the people that are punishing, that they decide to carry that punishment way beyond what God is giving them the right or ability, not, not ability, but the right to do. Um, in, 
uh, this is um, the. I'm going to stop here in the middle of the chapter one. This will be Habakkuk one a, uh, and soon we're going to see the answer that Habakkuk has to God and how he responds to this. Remember, what he started with was asking God for justice and righteousness within his city, but God is basically telling him that's something for the people to do. And God says, yes, I am going to allow the Babylonians to destroy this very corrupt society. But what the Babylonians are going to do is going to be awful and horrible. So be careful what you ask for. Next, Ravakuk in 1b, which we're going to learn next, is going to say, God, oh no, 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 no. Watch out, I don't want that. That's going to be terrible. We don't want to see um, such horrible, horrible suffering like that, such indiscriminate suffering. Thank you so much for studying together with us. Looking forward to studying Habakkuk 1b with you as well.